Our passage for today is from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. Let's pray before we begin. God, we thank you that you are here with us this morning. We thank you that your word is powerful, that it's true. And God, we pray that you'd come and speak to us this morning, that we'd have open hearts, we'd have listening ears, and we say, Holy Spirit, come and have your way with us. Show us more of who you are, God. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, I'm Rima and I'm on the staff team here and it's wonderful as we look at God's word together this morning. You had to be there is the title for our talk today. And there's such a sense of amazement and excitement as we look at what God is doing in the early church, the way that God is moving. And our passage for today comes after the ascension of Jesus. The Holy Spirit has come and is empowering his people. Peter, the disciple, has just preached a bold sermon. People have been cut to the heart, repented, and been baptized. It says earlier in chapter two that 3,000 people have been added to their number in just one day. We see God powerfully at work in the early church. And this morning, we are a continuation of this. As the church today, we are a continuation of everything that we read about. Wouldn't you like to see God move powerfully in and through and amongst us today? Can you imagine what that might look like? Our passage contains some of the very first words that we read about the early church. We read about what the church was like, what the writer Luke chooses to tell us about the church, how he chooses to describe the church. So let's have another look at our passage. Verse 42 says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. They devoted themselves. The early church were a people who were devoted. Now, I'm not sure what you think about when you hear the word devoted. I've been thinking a lot about this word this week. I live with a couple called Matt and Rachel. Some of you may know them. They come to HTC. And Matt and Rachel have recently got a puppy. And the puppy's name is Wilbur. I think a picture's going to come up there. It's Wilbur. I went into the kitchen this morning and he spent 10 minutes just licking me as I tried to get my breakfast. And Wilbur's great, he's very happy all the time, constantly zooming about here, zooming about there. 
He's very excited. And I have seen Matt and Rachel spend hours with Wilbur, teaching him to sit, training him, enjoying his company, taking care of, taking care of Wilbur. I have seen Matt and Rachel be devoted to Wilbur. What does it mean to be devoted? Well, the Greek word means to continue steadfastly, to attend constantly, to give attention and be of one mind. The church, they had a single-minded devotion, a single-minded love for God and the things of God. It says they devoted themselves to teaching, hearing, learning and understanding more of who Jesus is and what it looks like to be a follower of Christ. They devoted themselves to fellowship, having deep, close-knit relationships and shared community. The church would join together in love. They devoted themselves to the breaking of bread, both eating together and spending time with one another and remembering the death of the Lord Jesus and all that he has done. They devoted themselves to prayer, being in communion with God, walking with God in the everyday, praising him, thanking him, confessing, interceding, waiting on him. A life of devotion is one that is fully committed. We are committed to God's teaching, fellowship with one another, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Now, when we think about our lives, what are the things that we are devoted to? Do the things mentioned in verse 42 make it into our schedules? One of the challenges for us living in London is the busy, fast-paced nature of the city. And the type of fellowship described in the book of Acts, it's not shallow, it's not surface level. You know, I thank God for the time that we have chatting over tea and coffee on Sundays, and it's wonderful that we can do that again. But the type of fellowship here, it's more than just a quick conversation. Like the early church, are there people in our lives that we are really committed to, walking through the ups and downs of life, bringing encouragement, bringing challenge, helping practically? When I look around HTC, I feel encouraged that I see this type of fellowship. You know, people really being for one another, spending time together. And the last year has showed us that we're designed to be in community. We're designed to share fellowship. So we hunger for more. Who can we be devoted to? Who can we be committed to? Let's really think about this intentionally, about having these types of holy covenantal relationships in our lives. Connect Group can be a great way of forming these relationships as we share life together. And when we look at the life of our saviour Jesus, we see that he lived the most amazing life of devotion devoted to the Father, devoted to us by pouring out his love for us on the cross, that we would be forgiven. He sacrificed his life for us. This was his devotion, and we, as his followers, 
we respond and we live lives that are devoted to God. As the early church was devoted to God, loving and prioritizing him first and walking in his ways, this led to the people being in a place of awe. Devotion leads to awe. Verse 43 says, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. Everyone was amazed, astounded at what God was doing in his power and might. The signs, the wonders, the miracles had not been what people were used to. It wasn't what was normal. Everyone was filled with awe, reverence and fear, realizing that this is God, the maker of the heavens and the earth, the one who reigns above it all, working in their midst. The church was devoted to God, desiring to know and see who he is. And God showed them. He showed them through these signs and wonders. And as he showed them more of his sovereignty and his strength, the people were in awe of him. Now, it's not always easy to be devoted. There's days where I don't feel like reading my Bible and it's a real struggle. Maybe you identify with this. I can't concentrate, I'm easily distracted. I think I'm too tired. But then I pick up God's word and I'm reminded of who he is. Wow, God is so faithful. God is so kind, he's so good. And I'm in awe of him again. Devotion to God leads to awe of God. And the encouragement for us as his church is to keep on being devoted. Robert Boyle was a famous chemist and physicist. Maybe some of you have heard, him and he, heard of him. And he's best known for coming up with something called Boyle's Law. And he was a real pioneer in the scientific community. And this is what he says. This is what he said. I use the scriptures not as an arsenal to be resorted to, only for arms and weapons, but as a matchless temple where I delight to be to contemplate the beauty, the symmetry, and the magnificence of the structure and to increase my awe and excite my devotion to the deity there preached and adored. Here we see that as Robert Boyle was devoted, reading God's word, he saw more of the beauty of God and he was in awe of who God is. It increased his awe. But not only this, he says that his devotion increased as well. As we are in awe of God, this leads us back to devotion to him. There's this beautiful cycle where they both feed into one another. A constant flow. Devotion leads to awe. Awe leads to devotion. When we've forgotten the wonder of God or we can't see it, we give God our devotion and he uses it to bring back the awe. When we don't feel committed or we're struggling to live wholeheartedly for God and then there's a moment where we see again who God is and we're in awe of him, he uses it to bring back the devotion to him. 
And the encouragement for us as God's church is to keep on being devoted. And God will show us who he is. We will know more of him as we are devoted to his teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread and to prayer. And we will be in awe of him again. And when we are in awe of him, this acts as a springboard for us to live devoted to him, to live completely for him. And the cycle of awe and devotion and devotion and awe for him continues. Robert Boyle understood the dynamic of how this works. So why not set yourself an experiment this week? Devote yourself to God and see what happens. See what he does. And we see this relationship between devotion and awe in our passage. We see that the people were devoted and then they were in a place of awe. And again, they were devoted to God. And the way that they showed this devotion was by being devoted to one another. Devotion to God means being devoted to one another. We love God and we love people. We love one another. Have a look at verses 44 and 45. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. The reason the church was devoted to one another in this way came from their awe of God and their devotion to God. We've spoken about fellowship. And these verses show us that fellowship also looks like radical generosity, sacrificial love for the sake of those in need, togetherness despite the differences between one another. And this is how God desires us to live, freely without holding on to possessions too tightly, quick to give up what we have. And though it's not law for us to go and sell everything that we have, it's easy for us to justify our lifestyles and our attachment to material goods. When we are devoted to God, we are not devoted to the things of this world. Everything else looks dim in comparison. Last week, I heard a story about family from this church and they gave a bag of baby clothes to another family that they knew. And this other family, they were so touched, they wouldn't call themselves Christians. And they just couldn't believe that people would give away their stuff so freely, that people would give away their possessions without expecting anything in return. And this is how God desires us to live. We are called to live generously with one another and it may look unusual to the world. And when we live in this way, people wonder why. Why share what we have? Why be devoted to one another in this way? And we point people towards the God who is generous and meets people in their needs. So devotion of the early church looked like living in God's ways, outwardly in radical generosity with one another. Verses 46 and 47 tell us it also looked like meeting together and praising God, 
Here's what the verses say. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They break bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. Being devoted looks like meeting together in church as well as meeting together in homes. Is being a church a priority for us? Do we easily put other plans before coming and meeting together with the family of God? Verse 46 also mentions what devotion looks like inwardly. The people, they had glad and sincere hearts. Is this what our devotion to God and one another looks like? What makes this possible? What makes all these things that we've talked about in verses 44 to 47 possible? Glad and sincere hearts, freedom from possessions, the eagerness to meet needs. Well, it all stems from verse 42. The people were in awe of God. And we can ask God to work in our hearts so that we are in awe of him again, that we live lives that are completely devoted to him. We then come to what happens when there is an overflow of awe. The end of verse 47 says, and the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. This is what revival looks like, an awareness of God among the people. The people, they were in awe of God. They were devoted to him and God used them. He used them to gather people to himself. And many were saved, many were added to their number. In 1949, there was an astonishing move of God in the Outer Hebrides, a group of islands off the coast of Scotland. And the stories are incredible. Hundreds upon hundreds of people becoming Christians. People being woken up at two o'clock in the morning because the Spirit of God is moving and people just have to get to church. People falling face down in fields, in the middle of fields, people stopping whatever they were doing and turning to God. There's one story of more than 100 people in a hall at a dance and they all just stopped the dance, they stopped the music and they all flocked to the church. And it started with two sisters who were devoted Peggy and Christine Smith were two elderly women in their 80s. Peggy was completely blind and Christine had severe arthritis. But they prayed. They prayed sometimes from 10 o'clock at night to four o'clock in the morning. They prayed. They were in awe of God. They were devoted to God and they were devoted to praying for the people of that island that they would know God, that God would come and pour out his spirit on a dry and thirsty land. And God answered their prayers. God came and his spirit moved and he drew people to himself and revival swept across the land. And this is the same God that we worship today. 
the God of the revival of the Outer Hebrides, the God of the Book of Acts. His power is the same, his awesomeness is the same, his ability to save is the same. This is the God who turns water into wine, the God who breaks chains, the God who raises the dead to life, the God who changes hearts. So our prayer is this, God, come and do it again. Come and move here in Clapham, right here in South London, that many people would know Jesus. Many people would come and put their faith in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour. So would it start with us? Would it start with us having our hearts right with God? Hearts that belong to God. Hearts that have devotion for God. Hearts that are in awe of God, of who he is.